Welcome to the Accounting Intelligence Podcast. Accounting firms don't have enough labor to meet the record high demand for their services. That's where accounting intelligence comes in. Accounting intelligence uses automation, artificial intelligence, and technology to maximize the impact of accountants and address the labor gap. In this show, we highlight thought leaders and experts in client advisory and accounting services, IT, and automation to provide you the accounting intelligence you need to beat the challenges you face. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss any future episodes. This episode is sponsored by Botkeeper. Ready for the future of accounting? Botkeeper provides automated bookkeeping support to accounting firms by using a powerful combination of machine learning, artificial intelligence, and skilled accountants. Their clients receive 24-7 accounting and support, as well as an incredible insight into their clients' financials with interactive dashboards and unlimited reporting. Visit botkeeper.com to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, you'll be hearing a conversation between Patrick Strasbaugh, managing partner at Oak CPA, and Enrico Pomerino, CEO and founder at Botkeeper. Patrick Strasbaugh is the co-founder and manager at Oak CPA. He came to the accounting profession in an unusual way with a background in financial analysis from his stint in insurance and software companies. His conversation with Enrico covers topics ranging from the new accounting integrator processor role, Patrick's ideal tech stack, and great non-tech solutions for accounting firms. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Enrico Palmarino. I'm the founder and CEO of Botkeeper, and I'm here with my good friend, Patrick Strasbaugh. And we're just a couple accounting junkies uh, who really enjoy a good cigar and a fine glass of whiskey and all things accounting. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on in the, the accounting world and how accountants and accounting firms are going to need to solve the staffing shortage, uh, how to backfill retirees uh, with greener new accountants who believe the computer and machine is right. We'll get into a little uh, POS system integration and getting that sales data into QBO. And we'll talk about what are the first two tech stack must-haves. And we'll wrap it up with April, a new tax uh, software company that is making some buzz and recently raised the round. So with that, maybe we'll kick it off. Patrick, why don't you tell me a little bit about what cigar you're smoking and what whiskey you're drinking? So I have an Ashton Cabinet cigar. Nice. Uh, it's a nice cigar. Uh, Connecticut wrapper. Learned a little bit about that. And I'm having myself a nice little club soda. Excellent. I've got here a Padron 3000 Natural. And I'm drinking a glass of Bully Boy American Straight Whiskey from local Boston distillery. Good choices. Yeah, not bad. Um, so let's kick it off. Patrick, you want to talk a little bit about the accounting staffing shortage that we're going through and what that's looking like and how firms are trying to combat that? For sure. So uh, one, of the, one of the biggest issues inside of the industry right now is that there's a lot of retirements. A lot of consolidation. There's a lot of historical information that's leaving with those accountants. There are a fair amount of accountants who are not coming into the industry. We don't have the demand that used to be there. So whether the economy is doing great or not, it's we're going to have a staffing shortage in the industry. 
So the good thing is, is we're heading a little bit towards a recession and that should hopefully help free up a little bit of the strategy for you know, having staffing shortages. But realistically, I just think the industry as a whole is not a draw. And so the way that we're combating that is utilizing technology, utilizing tech stacks, and updating as much as we can to make ourselves as efficient as possible. Yeah, I was um, uh, heard a recent statistic that the accounting industry needs, I believe it's about 125,000 accountants uh, each year. And right now, there's only about 70,000 accountants going out for the jobs. So that, that shortage is, is quite great, and it's only growing. And that's before you even look at the retiree challenge that, that's being posed that you described. Yes, I would agree. And so if there are less people coming into the industry and more people exiting the industry, how are we going to support it? 100%. Now, what are some of the ways that your firm is trying to combat that shortage? We are implementing technology tech stacks and one one touch tech, one touch concepts. So if a document, if a, a PDF is emailed to you, however it comes into the system, it should be touched one time, one time only. And are you doing that with custom built workflows? with Zapier integrations or with out-of-the-box tools and solutions? A little bit of both as, as well as human touch. Okay. So there, there's, there's a gap between being able to figure out if you have 14 TIFF images that came through on somebody's cell phone because they took a picture of 14 pictures and just forwarded them one at a time or, you know, uh, PDF that e that's emailed to somebody. PDF that's emailed is perfectly fine. 14 TIFFs that are text message across the board, not as easy to integrate software to be able to grab and capture and put that through. So uh, a little bit of all. Could you walk us through maybe your tech stack, like what you're doing to solve some of those challenges and, and what that looks like? Maybe sure. walk through a little bit of the workflow there just to give people you know, some understanding of what it means to go you know, I'd say all the way are pretty damn close uh, with what, what your firm is doing. And then, you know, we could probably talk a little bit about what the, the top two must have tech stack. You know, if you had to pick first two, what would they be and why? So for communication purposes, I'll separate accounting from tax. Yeah. Two different workflows. So for tax, there are softwares out there. SurePrep is a great software. They have a tax caddy. It communicates back and forth between the client. They can upload their data, W-2s, information, and it's, it's pretty seamless. We can get all that information put into the system. And even if the client is an older client, drops it off in paper format, we have a human who can scan that in and put it into the, their, their format. So that, that side of the business is pretty steady eddy. It, it has a lot of tools that are out there that we can utilize. The accounting side, that's a wild, wild west. So from the accounting standpoint, uh, we've tried, and I'll tell you all the technologies that haven't worked, and I'll tell you all the technologies that we're utilizing today. So we've tried Dropbox, we've tried ShareFile, we've tried any type of 
sharing arrangement so that we can, but it hasn't quite worked. But we found the best tool that we're utilizing right now is creating a Teams channel inside of Microsoft Teams environment and having and inviting the client to the Teams channel. Interesting. So now we're in the same experience. So we're communicating through the same experience and we're sharing files and data in that same experience. It is a fascinating, it, it is the most efficient way to communicate. And are you finding you're getting the client to embrace using Teams where they might have be using Slack, Zoom, a combination of maybe Google Drive, Dropbox, Box? How do you get them to make a conversion? Are they going all in for their company or are they just going all in for you and, and the accounting workflow? Actually, both. Okay. They, they, you know, we're using Slack or they were using another type of another product that was out there and we're integrating with teams and inviting them. And they are saying, this is great. Can I put this in my company? Interesting. And so that has been the, the, the one where we have won the most. Are there any cost hurdles that you have to overcome using teams and, and getting them to standardize on that system? No, no, you can invite a guest. Um, we incur guest fees on our side, but that's fine by us. Minimal compared Minimal. to the engagement. Correct. So the engagement of asking a client for a copy of a credit card statement yeah. or bank statement, and they can easily just reply back at Patrick, here it is. Boom. By the way, my whole team is on that channel. Yep. Anybody who needs that document is there. So I can say at whomever, here's the document. It's all and what about in terms of getting them to actually do that thing, right? Which upload the statement. How do you? Easiest, easiest way. Because they can go, for instance, log into their bank account, download the credit card statement, and they can easily drag and drop it into Teams, and it's done. Is there like a task-oriented solution there? Reminders, follow-ups to get them to do it? Because I find that that tends to be the biggest challenge. That's the holdup. It's not the accountant to do the work. It's having the data to do the work. So in Teams, we have the reminder on the third of the month. Hmm. Each client is getting it along with our team. So it's blasting out inside of a controlled environment. So nice. they're receiving the notification. We're receiving the notification. Reminder, bank statements are due. And then where does that bank statement go from there? So walk me through the next step of the, it goes, the tech stack workflow. It goes into the team's environment, and then we automatically upload it into QuickBooks. Yeah. Nice. Online automatically gets the bank statement placed into it. That's great. And that's just through a Teams integration, or did you have to use a third-party tool for that? We have to use a third-party tool. Got it. We had to have a, a sample custom software, right? Sure. Indirectly. It's okay. Building software is simple. It is. It is. <laughs> so, but once that, once that document gets in there, that the hardest part is acquiring the document. Yep. Well, once it's in the system, now we have a bank statement, now we have a credit card statement, now we can do monthly bank recs and all the information that we need. And who's doing the monthly bank rec? Are you deploying any sort of like OCR technology or are you having your team take care of uh, doing that bank rec? Our team is still taking care of it. Yep. I guess from a bank reconciliation standpoint, 
if it's linked to the bank inside of QuickBooks Online, there are very few transactions that don't pitch. Yeah. A bank reconciliation inside of QuickBooks Online is pretty simple. Yes. We haven't seen a need to have a third-party integration to make sure that that's automatically done. That's great. And then walk me through a little bit more of the accounting workflow and some of the other tech stack applications that you're using. Are you using any statement fetching applications outside of QuickBooks, like a HubDoc or you know, one of the other solutions out there? We're using a lot of statement pushing. So okay. what, we, what we've gone to is the vendors themselves. So ADP, for example. Yep. We, have ADP, we have Accountant Connect. So on Accountant Connect, we have all of our clients. We invite them all. They're all in one profile. At the end of every month, we can run a scheduled report and queue everybody's monthly payroll. Nice. Spools up in one queue. That's awesome. And then those are available to download into a folder that will then upload directly to QuickBooks for us. That's great. What would you say is like the, the newest technology that you've deployed in your farm that was game-changing? Uh, we have a couple right now. We're, we're implementing RootWorks. Cool. So Great. That, is, that has definitely changed a lot of what we're doing. Um, Are you going all the way through their boss system and doing the uh, package pricing and the website connectivity and the whole bit? That's, that's stage two for us. Love it. Excellent. Yeah. So... That, that has been number one. And number two is actually physically making appointments at a bank with a client to go in to get user-only, read-only access to their bank account. That, are these in-person or are you virtual? That's not a technology. However, it is a solution. And you fly people around to bank sites or locations or? Or if they use a major bank, you don't have to. Okay. So distributed if, network. If, if, if Bockkeeper is using Bank of America, I just have to send somebody to a Bank of America branch. They'll have the paperwork available. It's already, it's there. Do you accompany them or do you just make the appointment and say, show up? Just make the appointment. Nice. And so it makes life, this, this is how we're solving the bank statement fetching challenge. I like that. That's awesome. So I would call that, uh, I would call that is, is down in the dirt, get as dirty as possible. Old school technology. Hey, communication. One, just give me read-only access. What do I have to go sign? Yep. I'll go sign it, whatever bank you're at. Now, it doesn't work if you have a credit union in, you know, in Missouri. I'm not going to fly somebody down there for that. Yep. It's not cost benefit. However, you have to use your standardized banks. Yeah, if you use a standardized major bank, we can connect to it. And that in and of itself is save hours. Do you hours. charge a tax for using a non-standardized bank? Or no. uh a penalty or do you give a discount for using your standard tech stack or banks? You give a discount. Nice. So like they go on to ADP payroll, we give them a discount. We wholesale the product to them. Love if they want to, uh, you know, they give us bank statements, fetching excess, we lower their fee. Love so it. 
simple and easy. Those are That's the great. major problems, major hurdles, everybody. So would you say those are your top two tech stack recommendations? Uh, tech stack recommendations for me would be QuickBooks Online as your baseline. Okay. Number two would be add on to it ADP payroll and their general ledger integration. Yeah. And uh, three, four, and five would be adding on to the tech stack itself. Uh, giraffe, J-I-R-A-V, have you heard giraffe? Yes. Know them very well. We're working on a partnership with them. Fantastic program. Can do pro formas, can do projections, can do multiple simulations. Helps a lot of growing companies. Uh, it kind of is phasing out Fathom. Fathom is the cheap concept of Giraffe. So I would say Fathom, put that into the tech stack. Yep. And, and then lastly for us is making sure that we have a backend bookkeeping tool. So Occupers Boss is going to be on our, on our platform. I love it. M music to my ears. So when you get all of those integrated and actually together, that's the baseline efficiency for any company. You want to have QuickBooks be your general ledger interface. You want to have payroll connected to it and the bank account connections. And then you want to have something where you can do projections and perform us and look out into the future with realistic historical numbers. Now, do you charge more for that? For we the do. Do. So premium package comes with giraffe and, and the forecasting and, and budgeting. Cool. Right. Yes. And then we have baseline and not baseline. I love it. And then what would you say that does from an efficiency standpoint? So you took your practice, say you were running on QBO, doing things, you know, mostly manual, email communication, email uploads. Maybe you had a couple apps here or there that you were loosely supporting for your clients. Um, maybe you're using bill.com for bill pay. Then you dial it up a notch. You standardize on teams. You're booking these appointments for clients to go and get the read-only access so that you have it for all your clients. You have a bookkeeping automation solution on the back end. You have payroll automated uh, entries and, and data coming in. What does that take? You know, Let's say it's a five-hour a month client. What does that reduce the, the workload down to? How much human do you still need to put in? Uh, 80%. You, you, you utilize 80% less human input. So five-hour a month client becomes a one-hour a month client. Is that proportion? So a 10-hour a month client becomes a two-hour a month client too? Correct. Do you Correct. see a breaking point on size of client? Whether if it's a, do you get an 80% gain on a, Two-hour-a-month client or on a 40-hour-a-month client? Uh, Is there a sweet spot? If you're going above uh, a 10, 12-hour-a-month client, the question becomes why. Yeah. Right? What are you doing for them? Why are you doing that? Well, you're doing it 80% more efficient. I'd like to think you could probably match whatever they could do, and you're giving them a better product that's uh streamlined reliable and a lot more accurate than they could probably ever have in-house right right but when you get above i would say a 12 hour a month client is probably a weekly client that you're touching every week and so yeah the 80 percent efficiency still stays there now if it's a daily client you don't get the 80 percent efficiency yeah just because you got to be touching it every day touching it every day 
And would, when you look at your clients, would you say a majority of your clients are monthly clients, weekly, daily? What's your, your breakout look like? And where do you think is the biggest opportunity for the accounting industry? Well, the biggest opportunity for the accounting industry is outsourced finance and accounting departments. So, but if they were to standardize on an offering, like should they or should they be standardizing or should they allow the flexibility of monthly, weekly, and daily outputs? They should offer the flexibility because some clients only need to be touched once a month. Some need to be touched every day. Some need to be touched weekly. What? The differentiation between the efficiency for the CPA firm or the accounting firm versus the non-efficiencies is that we as an industry, and this is my opinion, have always worked on the clients. So whatever the client has adopted for their system, that's the system that we use. Yeah. So we have to know Zoho, we have to know QuickBooks, we have to know QuickBooks Desktop, we have to know Appfolio, we have to know, I mean, there are so many general ledger systems out there. Yep. And when you're trying to spend an hour figuring out how to make a journal entry inside of somebody else's system, it's inefficient. So standardize the product. Have one, maybe two offerings. That in and of itself changes the platform. So let's say now you've got a you've got a platform. You've got the you know early budding of a, a tech stack. Next big challenge is getting your accountants to actually use it or use it the way it's designed. And so you were talking about backfilling the retirees. I think uh, a lot of the firms I talk to say the reason they haven't adopted tech stack or haven't become as much efficient as they could is due to the fact that it means change and people don't like change. And they like doing things a certain way. As much as you can say, this is the, you know, what the standard that we're, uh, we're standardizing our firm on doesn't necessarily mean your team's going to adopt it. That's true. That's true. However, change is inevitable. If you're not changing, you're dying. So this is where I think there's a great opportunity for firms to bring in the more junior accountants, but leverage them in a different way than doing a lot of the, you know, typical come in, do a lot of the basic data entry, basic reconciliations, do that for a year or two, and then progress up the senior accountant. I think there's a great opportunity for a new role that I would call an integrator role um, or in like onboarding specialist role where they're involved with getting the tech stack assembled, implemented, training the client on it. And if anything, looking out a little bit at new technologies and testing and, and, uh, and messing around with them because those individuals, they don't have a, a past. They don't have a client base yet. So they can afford to you know, make mistakes, learn, try new things. I think they're probably more open-minded to that and just better situated too. How do you think uh, that plays into the backfilling of retirees and in general, how accountants and accounting firms should be thinking about it and, and positioning these new hires that they're, they're bringing in. I would agree. I've taken it a step further. So we've stolen from the, the loan world. So think of the mortgage world. Yeah. The mortgage broker who contacts you and obtains your information, right? But yep. there's the relationship piece. So 
inside of that whole process, there's a loan processor. That loan processor, their entire job is to acquire your documentation to support the loan. That's it. So accounting firms, we're adopting this right now, we're bringing on an accounting processor. That person's sole job is to be the integrator as you talk about, is to take the foreign information and bring it into our system. And what do you think that does? You know, obviously there's a cost to have that role. So, you know, I think the natural recoil for a firm would be, well, how am I going to afford this extra, you know, personnel, extra cost? But what do you think it does in terms of like enhances the output of your team and you know, increases the serviceability or you know, client uh, volume that you can support having that role? What do you think the impact is from a efficiency gain? That, that person is an administrative role, right? And, and usually comes with lower wages. Yep. Give, me, give, give the people who are listening to this like a ballpark of what, what that might go for. If you have a CPA who's chasing down a bank statement because they have the client relationship, or you have a loan processor or an accounting processor chasing down a bank statement, you're paying 50% less for that accounting processor than you are for that CPA. And you want that CPA reviewing finished documents and getting a final product out to the client and thinking, right? And not chasing down paperwork. So the the efficiency gain there is fifty percent of wages. Do you think your staff or typical accountants embrace this role and are happy to offload that work, or do you think it's going to be a little pulling of teeth to get them be, to? Going to be pulling of teeth. <laughs> I was hoping you're going to say the former, but they they. How do I say this? Change is hard. Especially in the accounting industry, it changes very difficult. But it's inevitable. It's inevitable. So you either change the people or you change the people. So you change how they operate or you change who they are. So that, that's kind of a really tough line to take, but yep. you try and you slowly but surely you you it, it's not a it's not a, this person is going to help, maybe help you. Okay, maybe help you on two clients. No, this is this person's job here, and this is what they'll do. So I've seen something that's counterintuitive to, I think, what most firms think implementing or forcing change is going to have on their practice. I think most firms think if you force your staff to do something they don't necessarily want to, in this case, say hire this you know, integrator role or onboarding specialist role, or you call it processor role, um, that that is going to cause their you know fleeting team or you know scarce team to potentially leave and go elsewhere. What I've actually seen is it increases retention because at first the change is a little bit painful, but not painful enough to leave, and then once the change occurs the relief factor, the ability to like, I don't have to do that, you know, say bullshit anymore. Um, and I can do the thing. I actually, I, I thought I enjoyed that, but really I enjoy this other aspect. And it might not even be like talking to the client. Like some accountants don't enjoy talking to the client, but they enjoy getting into the work and solving like, you know, the complicated accruals or 
you know, setting up the journal entry schedules or, or what have you, making getting the books closed and nothing about integrating systems or chasing down statements or, you know, training, training someone on uh, technology is anything to do with that. So. No, and, and uh, what we're finding is that the younger person who's in that integrator role understands technology. So there's a give and take. The older, say, technologically adverse or change adverse individuals kind of cut a deal and say, okay, I'll help you understand the accounting world. The older entrenched, you know, and it's not age, it's just experience. The more experienced person will also do the book of business, a client base. Work. Uh, if you've got a client base, they're already pulling 60 hours a week or, you know, what have you. Change takes time. And yeah, here, you take, you do the change for me. Let me just do what I do. Right. Right. I'll help you. You help me. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand this technology stuff. So just teach me. Where do you think you have to be as a firm to get an integrator? Like how many accountants do you have to have to make the economics make sense and work so that the, you know, the incremental cost is justified by the the savings that you're going to get on time? Three. Three? Three. I think that sounds right. You have three staff members Adding a fourth and an integrator will increase your productivity massively. That's awesome. So you can onboard more clients. You can do. So what do you think of the ratio is integrators to accountants? So as you start to think, all right, I need three to justify the cost, but then where's this? How much scale and efficiency and gains do I get? Like, is it one per five, one per six? They can make it support four to five. That's about it. Getting to right. you're pushing it. That's solid. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty substantial uplift and margin if you think about the incremental being able to support that many more incremental clients. Correct. Well, if if you think just if you just think in in hours, if that integrator is taking off the three people taking a third of their time away. Yep. Or even twenty percent of their time away. Right. Now they're 20% more efficient at a higher billable rate. They can produce true. You don't necessarily even have to take on more clients. You you probably make it up in expanding client relationships, taking on more work from existing clients, um, or just servicing your clients better, having less churn, you know, not not losing a client because they say, I can't get a hold of my account and I'm going elsewhere. You can you could teach those existing accountants to to do pro formas, to do projections, to do cash flow analysis, to then deliver a whole new product line that clients want. And baby steps, you don't have to jump right in. I call it advisory light. Right. You can, you can pick four KPIs, yep. key performance indicators, and this is what we're going to roll out across all of our clients. We're going to stick with them, and this is what we're going to deliver every month on top of what we're already doing. Now, talk to me a little bit about one step deeper on the tech stack and integrating POS with QEO. Is there a POS system that you recommend? Is there? Uh, and this is a this so 
This is a this is a tough. This is a sore subject. The loaded question. It's a very loaded question. And you're one of the few accountants I know who, and we could probably talk an hour on this topic, but I figure you probably share with everyone a few good insights. You're one of the few accountants I know who has been so inspired by this problem that have gone on to acquire companies in e-commerce so you could trial it yourself and figure this out on your own dime and make the mistakes on your own accord before you tested it on your clients, which I think is just absolutely phenomenal. I want to say I might not be doing it justice. You, you have like 10 other companies you've acquired and for the namesake of testing technologies yourself on, on yourself. Um, so yeah. what's the lesson learned there? How do we integrate POS with, with QBO? So I bought a manufacturing company to try to figure out how to handle sales quotes, sales orders, and all the way through to the integration of inventory management, right? If I yep. have a quote that I send out today and turn it into a sales order, when can the customer expect it? Well, if we're if we don't know we're out of a product, how do you handle that? So there are inventory management systems, and one I found that's really affordable and and works really well. It's called Katana. Katana, and they are a platform where you can build. Can you spell that quick so everyone? K A T A N A. Katana. It's it's a. It's a platform that you utilize for manufacturing purposes. You can put every nut, bolt, screw into your inventory. It handles all the POs for it, and it integrates with QuickBooks. And it keeps it in sync. It keeps it in sync. Without sync errors. Correct. Correct. Now, duplicate oh, data entry. Duplicate, duplicate entries. No sync errors. There, no software is perfect. I know. However, it does a very, very good job of managing. So not only do you put the nuts, washers, bolts, screws, everything inside, but you can build sub-assemblies and then build sub-assemblies. They're called bombs, so build the materials. So then you can make the next part to the next part to build to the full assembly. And that's all taken out when the salesperson puts the sales quote in. It's all identified. Hey, by the way, this can't be shipped until August 26th because we're missing this part. So that's an example of a POS system or an integration system that works. Um, another POS system that works, Square. Square is fantastic. So if you have a, a retailer that's utilizing Square, Square for restaurants, yep. it work very, very well. You can put your whole menu in there. We can slice and dice that thing back and forth. And that all plays into the advisory component. All plays into the advisory. You're doing well on apps. You're selling well on apps. By the way, your beer and wine revenue, not so good. You guys. And how, do you, how do you get good at advisory on, on you know, e-commerce, on restaurant, on what have you? Do you have to be the expert? Is there, are there resources out there that can guide you? Can you find the data? I, I, I personally, found I have to buy it. You buy the data. I no, I, I buy the company. I buy the company so that I can become an expert that way. How it works. You have to. How many, 
So, how many restaurants do you own? I don't own any restaurants. That's one business I won't get into. So, <laughs> however, when you take a step back, if you think about your own firm, right? Are yep. you integrating Square? Are you integrating a POS system to manage your own books inside of your own CPA firm? If you're not, start there. It's real simple. Start accepting credit cards through Square. Everybody's going to say, yeah, the price point's a little too high. They charge a little bit too much in a fee. It's not about the fee. It's the efficiency. Yeah. Figure out that all of those sales, all linked. No AR. All start connecting to your AR system. All automatically go out to the customer. They can pay their fee right then and there. Yes, the 3% hit that you're taking versus the 1.7% you can get from the bank pays for itself. Because yep. you start to integrate that in your own company, and then you integrate that into multiple companies into your client base. And, and one or two advisory clients that you're assisting them with on that, you got your own co your cost covered. Pays for all your credit card fees for the whole year. Love and more. So, you know, integrations, POS integrations have been difficult. They're very hard to do. Yep. Oh, if, if I... If I can get a hold of a franchise, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it because they all have reports and they all have their own reporting systems. But franchises are probably for you the best part, the best spot to start. And if you, if you can uh, get, uh, go ahead. If you had to recommend a third POS system, so you've got Katana for builds and assembly and manufacturing. You've got Square for simple you know businesses bakeries retail is there a third one out there that you use as well e-commerce is webgility 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 is fantastic it connects to your shopify account it connects to any any branded type of uh, website that you have out there have you used uh bookkeep or uh h2x i have not used either one of those there are two, uh, Bookkeep's kind of entered the market more recently and A2X is starting to get a lot more traction ever since Jamie and Jamie uh, uh, acquired it. The, the Jamie's from HubDoc, um, they, uh, they're, they're starting to make a lot of investments in it and really, really get it out, you know, get the noise out there, develop, uh, upgrade the product. But I've seen more and more talk about Bookkeep and A2X for e-commerce integration and you know, consolidating and recon uh, reconciling uh, the transactions that are coming through from variety of systems like Shopify and, and others. So maybe maybe a good one to test. Uh, I'll look into them. I'll look Love into them next. So and then um, have you heard about April? I have. I have heard about April. I probably heard through our mutual friend uh, Miss Jody Paydar. Miss Jody Paydar, correct? Yes. So what are your thoughts on April? When, when she told me, uh, and, and Jody, I, you know, I had the, the pleasure, Jody was an early consultant to Botkeeper. Then eventually I convinced her to sell her practice and join Botkeeper. Um, and she was here for a couple of years. And then we frankly just grew to a point where she's like, I love like startups, early stage. Like this is, you guys are becoming big. Um, and she told me she had this opportunity to go join this startup that was going to automate tax filings. 
they have like a unique spin on it with how they do it via banking and, and other data connections. They just raised $30 million. So they gotta be doing something interesting. Um, love to get like, what, what's the inside scoop that you have on this business? What's it gonna do for the account? Like, is it gonna stir up the accounting industry? Do you think they're gonna like potentially bite off more than they can chew and end up like a canopy tax situation? How do they differ? The first thing, the, so, you know, everybody looks at competition as an enemy, right? Yeah. The first thing I asked Jody when she told me about it was, do you wholesale? Can do I do that? Because I, I couldn't, they're, they're stealthy ish on their side. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. They're thinking about it. They just haven't put the platform together yet. Because if it truly is the solution that they're talking about, I'll start outsourcing returns to them. Yeah. You're telling me you can get a Schedule C done for $300? I'm in. Yeah. I'll outsource my product to it. Yeah. It, get it done, and we'll review it and get it out the door. Yeah. No problem. That's that's not the value add, getting data from one place onto a form. No, it's not. It's just an efficiency. Yeah. So if they can do it for cheaper, I'll let them do it. Well, the thing that fascinates me about them is um, they're following a very similar model to Botkeeper. So I'm like really curious to see. Like I'm just waiting for them to say they're launching for the accounting industry uh, because we did the same thing. I mean, frankly, when we launched, we went direct to consumer because you know convincing an accounting firm to try Botkeeper on a client without any proof, and you know, don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen. Uh, it's I did pretty, it. It's a pretty tall, tall glass or tall ask. Uh, so yeah, we did the same. We went direct to start, got a bunch of clients, you know, a few hundred, and then uh, and all the data enhanced, built, refined, hardened, and then started alpha and beta testing with accounting firms, and then launched to the accounting channel. A lot of companies do both. They'll support the accounting channel. They'll support direct. We decided like for our mission, it was just to the end justified the means. Like the direct was a means to supporting the accounting channel, hence our selling off and divesting our direct book. But um I'm really curious to see. I wasn't sure if you knew anything more. But their site is is still stealthy, but there's there's something going on there and I'm excited to see what they're up to and, and how it plays out. I'm not gonna say it's gonna take the accounting industry by storm. However, what's happening in the market right now is there's a lack of talent. Yeah. Right? So there's a lack of talent. We talked, we started this conversation while there's a lack of talent coming in versus going out. And we need more talent coming in. So if the talent's not going to come in, and there's going to be a scarcity of talent, scarcity creates increased price. Yep. So inflated wages. So now that inflated wage piece is going to start competing with software. Yep. Software as a service, right? Because the consumer doesn't yet want to pay for that increase. No, like the, I, can't, I can't go to a, a client and say your, uh, your, your cost for your tax return went up 20%. Why? Because that's just the wage structure. Yep. They're, they're going to say, okay, not paying it. And you and I aren't the only people seeing this. I mean, the, the, I think investors chase returns. 
um, and they spot opportunities or deficiencies in the markets. And that's yep. where they put, put capital. And if you look at the amount of capital that's poured into accounting automation in the last three, four years, it's insane. And then and it's, it's not slowing down. It's not even just an account tech. So, you know, I like we've raised 90 something million dollars to build our solution. In pilot, I think they raised about a quarter of a billion. You have other companies who have raised a hundred plus million to automate. Some of these are competing directly with accounting firms and it's not a, not a solution for them. But you also have investors that aren't just taking the approach of, Hey, I'm going to invest in account tech solutions. Investors are literally investing in firms like no tech, like no tech, just this is a market that's going to heat up because of these drivers. I mean, Jerry Becker just announced a massive investment. Um, I get who I forget who was the firm, but then they're not the first, like I think they're the, and they won't be the last. I, I imagine there's going to be a lot more capital pouring into this industry. I bought four books of business just for them. Took them from paper files to electronic. Yep. And the cost efficiencies are huge. Huge. I mean, it's a very simple, it's a simple concept. If you can build efficiencies around a task that takes human interaction out of it. Yep. And it's not hard. I mean, that's the, the reality is that there are so many small accounting firms out there. So many that are doing it in an antiquated or traditional manner. Those individuals, to the point that you made earlier, are retiring. But without more accountants coming into the market, how do you how do you monetize your practice? Uh, do you monetize it to the junior associates that you have who haven't been there long enough to earn partner or you know have the capital to buy it, or do you sell it to uh, venture world? And you're seeing PE firms. I think you know there's going to be a PE backed accounting roll up uh, eventually. And, yes. I, and I've talked to I've talked to VC firms and PE firms who are doing what you described, but just at a larger scale. They're saying, "Hey, we can buy a firm who's tech enabled. We can give them incremental capital, like maybe techify it a little bit further, do some more integrations, adopt some more, like adopt some more technologies to like fully flesh out the rest of the tech stack, and then we're just going to buy non tech enabled firms, migrate." roll over the tech on it, provide the clients better support, faster turnaround, more accurate books, and repeat. And we see it from even like the, the firms that we support. I mean, we've watched a number of our clients acquire other practices, onboard, deploy, transition, integrate them with BotKeeper, and they're, they're minting money. I mean, it's, you, you, when you tech-enabled your practice, you can get to a point of almost software margins. Like it's not quite pure software because you didn't build the tech yourself and there's still the human layer in terms of service. And, uh, but actually I'd even argue if you were to take in, you know, the, the, the cost of like R and D and, and factor that against, you know, software margins a little bit more heavily, which is what they're, you know, some of the new tax laws are going to be, you know, pushing you to absorb. Or actually, they're pushing is that you're, you can write off less of the R&D or engineering expense. You have to do it over uh, certain time frames. But in either way, I think the licensing fee 
is a fraction of the engineering cost that went into it. Yeah. And so you, you take that, you add the client service component to it, and yes. you're operating pretty damn close to software margins, and you just rent and repeat and buy services companies and turn them into service as a software firm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but unlike legal, it's easier because you don't have to be a CPA to own an accounting practice. No, you don't. So it's it's one of the last bastions of roll-up and, uh, say, more antiquated services line of business that has the opportunity to be rolled up and back and by or standardized. Any other uh, thoughts, concepts, ideas, anything you want to leave people with today before we, we sign off? It's always a blast hanging out with you. I can't believe where the time goes. I would say we just have to keep pushing the boundaries, keep pushing to figure out how we can integrate all this data into general ledger systems. The entire accounting industry is nothing more than a consolidation of a whole bunch of data into less data. We need to stop doing that. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I'd also say what's fun is that you and I are doing this podcast in a pretty scrappy sense. I'm outside. You're in a cigar lounge. And I feel like your cigar lounge right at about an hour says, all right, that's enough. Patrick, we're consuming too much bandwidth. We're, we're throttling you down. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, fun doing uh, episode three and four of Accounting Aficionados and looking forward to doing this again. Same to you. Thanks for listening to the Accounting Intelligence Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please go to apple.com slash podcast and leave a five-star review to help us get the word out. This podcast is sponsored by Botkeeper. To learn more about how Botkeeper is helping accounting firms automate their bookkeeping services, head over to botkeeper.com. Catch you in the next episode.